Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. It's Friday. Should we call this Z-Day? Is this Z Day? It might be Z Day. All right. It, it, have you heard? If if you pay attention to cars at all, you might you might have heard. There's <laughs> officially a new Nissan Z car. I am looking at this again. I can't wait to see it in person. And one of our writers, Jason Bell, is attending ZCon as of this recording in Colorado Springs, where Nissan is previewing the Z car at mm-hmm. Pikes Peak, which is going to be great. Really appreciate Jason attending for us. But I'm looking at this again. The only change from the last time everybody saw it and mm-hmm. they caveated the heck out of it was a small rear deck lid spoiler, which is great. And this this grill looking thing in the nose. Yeah. Didn't have that either. But, but anyway, the, I'll get back there. The yeah. intake, the entire air intake, yeah, yeah. I still feel a needs box. A, a different mm-hmm. shape to it, which will probably be rectified by some tuners very shortly. We'll have to see on that. But you have to be careful to not damage the rest of the clean styling. And I think I'm going to like it in person. We're very much looking forward to it. We've got some cars to raffle off. Yes, we do. They are the Z4, the 2004 Z4 from Todd, and the 06 SLK 280. Still got just under four weeks left. If you go to everydaydriver.com, you can find the cheap sports car raffle right at the top of the page. Yep, it's easy and, to find. And uh, throw your hat in the ring. You just might win one of these things, and they're still running. There's only a few hundred people that are even in it right now, so your chances of winning are still pretty good. Thank you for all of you that have already hopped in on that. We love that that's happening. I'm sorry, I'm still lost in scrolling through pictures of the new Z car. It is delightful. The I, I, I was never a big fan of that meringue, like coconut cream pie oh, kind the, of the, color. Yeah, the odd yellow they started with. I like the blue a lot. I'm very curious to see it in person. The the all same color as the exterior interior is, um, what's the word I want to choose here? Bold? A lot. It's it's a lot. I Here's, mm, I'm struggling with this. Just wait until you see it in person. I'm struggling with it. Because obviously we haven't driven it yet. Of I course think not. My favorite thing about it is the proliferation of spec Z car racing. That's my favorite sure. thing about this newly announced car. And I'm excited to see it and drive it. And the specs are fascinating and all that kind of stuff. Nissan's redoing their whole lineup. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And they've, they've done some pretty cool stuff with some of their things. Like watch our Frontier, revised Frontier piece. We were shocked by how well they did on that re- revise. Yeah. Not everything's been that good, but that one was great. It was because but, of the shocks. But, but they're taking a lot of their old tech and they're remaking their old tech. That's happening here on the Z car. This is a, re- a re- revised version of the 370 platform, which is right. only was a revised version of the 350 platform. Right. Revisions, so, revisions, revisions. So we're, we're, we're operating on, <laughs> honestly, like a 25-year-old platform at this point. Let's ponder that for a second. Doesn't mean it'll be bad, but that is interesting that they're doing that. And the other thing is, and you as the designer have to speak this better than me, I feel like Nissan has just done, follow me, what Chevy did in the early 2000s with the Camaro. Mm-hmm. where they looked at the reference material while they sketched the new thing. Because when the Camaro came back out, it was essentially take a 68 Camaro and make us a new one. Kind this is take of. the original Z car and make us a new one. Now that it's out in official form, I can't get over the fact, especially when they put it with pictures beside the original 240, which is awesome in its own right. Sure. This sure. is just redo the 240 for us, please. And while yes. that's cool, I yes. also just want something new. You want clean sheet, full originality. I do, and I realize they can't do it because they're using the platform. I, I see how we get here. Okay, but let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. If they were to do that mm-hmm. and completely invest in all brand new everything, just napkin sketch all the way, and we okay. threw out yeah, yeah. everything. If they arrived at something similar like this and then realized, well, shoot, 
we could have used some of the old parts. We could have repurposed some stuff. We could have used some of our old tooling. We didn't have to get rid of it. That's a huge investment. I mean, they, their investment in the key fob alone is how it justified itself. <laughs> it has on. for sure, yeah. But knowing this is what Nissan does, it does make sense from a business perspective. Oh, perspective. I fully understand but that. But from an enthusiast standpoint, I am in full agreement. I want fresh. Here mm-hmm, it is, brand mm-hmm. new, never before, kind of like the C8 Corvette. That's what the Corvette has done to us, and it has kind of spoiled us Yeah, because yeah. it's fresh, everything, brand new platform. This doesn't exist. No part sharing, no nothing except for the interface, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So I, I agree with that, I and I'm reserving, of course, judgment, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm warming to it. The color definitely helped. The this color is helps. why you, know, you want to do a body in white and get the design correct before you apply color, but what's good is the surfaces appear to be clean enough and simple enough to support bright colors. I agree with that. I also wish they were offering a painted roof option. I think that would be fascinating as well. I mean, but that's just your local paint who, shop. Who knows down the line? That, that's the option. I, I can't I can't wait to see one in person. I agree with you. The blue looks phenomenal. The yellow, I never really minded, but I just, mm, there's it, this is such the 240 Reborn, which sure. I think is simultaneously amazing and potentially holding back. See, all I could think of was banana cream pie the whole time. Just, okay, well, no, blue just, interior on a blue car is a lot of... I, I like blue. That's Porsche thinking that's right a lot, there. That's a lot of blue. Let's slather it all in whatever I, color I, we chose. I, as everybody else, look, 400 horsepower, six-speed <laughs> manual. Uh, this is a twin-turbo V6. Wow. Fantastic. Nissan, thank you. They're doing it. They're bringing it back. We definitely want to get our hands on that. But because of proportion, I have a mini rant coming on. Uh-oh. In regards to another car that was recently announced, it is the Genesis GV60. Okay. I am bummed that electric cars are making vehicles become proportionless and the same. Sure. You think back to the 30s, the Duesenbergs, the Packards, the V16 Cadillac era, Mm -hmm. where the reason (laughs) they had the long nose is because they had to cover up the engine. Mm -hmm. And so that gave it the long hood, short cabin proportions. And mid-engine cars have a particular look to them. You yeah, know where yeah, that yeah. power plant is located in the car because the rest of the proportions dictate that. Cars like the Z in the future won't need such a long hood. It is mm-hmm. beautiful and classic and timeless, even though, yeah, it's based on older designs and it's being accused of being a retro design. There are cues in there, but I, I hope it's not anything close to a retro look because retro doesn't last. Mm-hmm. True. I mean, high heritage roof Chevy. Hello. <laughs> But on this Genesis, the rear apron or the lower fascia, it's too low. And that's because Hyundai, as a company, doesn't want you, the consumer, the drivers on the road, to be able to view the undercarriage of the rear of the car when you're behind one of the cars. Mm. That's why you can't see the exhaust very well, unless it's a performance model. Okay. You can't see any of the undercarriage, the suspension, nothing down there. They've hidden it all. Mm-hmm. But even though I like Genesis, I like what they're doing, this is proportionless. It's even the cabin is dead center. The you know rear proportion is kind of the same as the front proportion. It's very Model Y too. It is, and, and that's y, my problem. The with model, the model Y is y. not an attractive proportion to begin with, and so therefore I say the Mustang Mach E Bravo. Yes, because of yes. the Mustang influence, the wheelbase is mm-hmm. slightly too long, which gives it a proportion. You either like it or hate it, but it does give it a direction. It has a flavor, and it does yes. feel like they picked something for it to look like versus just well, it needs a shape, and then this needs a shape, and exactly it's right. Cool. And that's my fear of mm. platform future electric cars. Mm. So therefore, my answer is let's shove all the motors and batteries together into one lump into this mass, <laughs> and make it a chain drive or a belt drive electric car. Well, 
slow. Which makes no sense. It makes That's no silly, sense. It's but going it will to be pro- a manual transmission belt drive. <laughs> yes. What is going on over there? But it will produce beautiful looking cars it because will. this is where the mass is. The batteries mm-hmm. and motors are in this lump located here. Front, middle, rear, wherever they're located. Yeah. Okay. That I will see it. force the design of a car to take on a particular proportion and shape. Mm. Now we can just get away with anything. The front can be just as long as the rear. It can be canoe. It can be a box. <laughs> Your box is called a canoe. Canoe. I, oh. Canoe. <laughs> this is I know how excited you it. are about that canoe. I know you are. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I so don't want to ride or drive in a box. Well, the future you know. is not a box, and that's my issue. So let's do something different. And I feel like car companies need to take this into consideration with their future powertrains mm. and platforms. Even though the skateboard sounds great from a business perspective, sure it does, it's yeah. going to produce boring, same cars. It's, it's going to be a sea of sameness. We think there's a sea of sameness right now with five-seat exactly. CUVs. Yes, when they're all built exactly, this is the thing you and I debated in episode one of season nine, which I'm hoping is coming to Amazon soon. That was an EV episode with the ones you're talking about, the Model Y, the ID4, and the Mach E. And one of the big things we both stepped into in that episode was, are these going to be identical? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have to say this, and it's mentioned in the episode as well. It took me longer with those three cars to start coming to conclusions than anything we've ever driven. Okay, just as far as everything, Gen- dynamics and just, your generally, when it? we have three cars that yeah. we're going to shoot for TV. Give me a half hour, 10 minutes every car. Sure. And I kind of know where this is going. Even if it's not where I expected to go, I kind of understand where this is going to well, go. There's oh, this one standouts this in various one, categories. Okay, this is like yeah. the, these three, 30 minutes in, no idea. Sure. None. They, they're just, I, I, what's, the, what's the logo on the steering wheel? It took a mm-hmm. day of driving them back to back to really dig in and start to be like, oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. interesting and speaks to what you're talking about because if they're all built exactly the same, it suggests they can be quite similar. And that similarity is what cars look like. You ask a you know a young four year old to draw a car, they mm. will draw the Volkswagen ID four. Draw me an SUV, they'll draw that. <laughs> draw me a sports car. Still looks like that. <laughs> but much. you're drawing, so bravo. But that's just it, because now you've got that same shape. This is what cars are supposed to look like. If you take away dictating, well, you've got to have people and well, you got to have an engine and a gas tank and mm-hmm. luggage capacity. And what are you trying to do with the car? What market are you in? Well, those are elements that now are just washed away. Just the people beanies? could be forward over the wheels, like an old Volkswagen bus. They could sit at the very back with a 18 foot long hood. Doesn't matter because we have a skateboard, baby. <laughs> are we hauling canoes? Do we have beanies? A canoe is it a, interests is, me. Is it is so it, much? Is it a tie or is it a beanie? Which world are we going for? <laughs> How many Starbucks will be in the car at once? don't do interchangeable anything. If you do your interchangeable jacket or your interchangeable shoes or your (laughs) belt or a children's furniture piece, a desk, and it grows with them from toddler to preteen, those don't sell. (laughs) People think they do and designers think, what a great idea. Nope. Do not do that. Do not fall into that trap. And car manufacturers are tempted. They are tempted. Yeah, they are. Thank you to our TV sponsors, Haggerty, Griot's, and Covercraft, and Auto Tempest. Yeah. When you're shopping at Griot's, use eDriver as the code for 15% off liquids, 10% off everything else. And at Covercraft, everyday21 is the code. And when you're shopping for the car disease on Auto Tempest, use autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Vaughn B. is in Santa Cruz, California. He is off-grid in California, Hmm. and he's wanting to know about a car that will be good from dirt roads all the way to downtown San Francisco. Interesting. Okay. He's a lifelong motorsports enthusiast searching for advice on a new commuter. 
He lives one mile down a dirt road up in the Santa Cruz mountains and commutes 61 miles each way into downtown San Francisco five days a week. Mm. The 14 miles after that one mile of dirt are very twisty, often in subpar condition, and are narrow two or one lane mountain roads with steep consequences for going over the edge. Mm. After the twisties, he says it's a nice jaunt down a four lane mountain highway to the main network of Bay Area highways for 40 miles of good news, which is the last five miles of total gridlock. (laughs) We were doing so well, and now we're parked. (laughs) Can you park just five miles out and start walking? That might be faster, yeah. Well, he does the commute currently in his 07 Jeep Wrangler with a wow. six-speed and a hardtop. That is rattly. <laughs> and, and probably there's pro- there's some body roll going on on that road. Oh, I'm, just, yes. I'm sharing that right now. You bet. Well, he, he says he loves it. He has only about 50,000 miles on it, but he wants to park it and start building it up as a trail rig. Okay. It does belong in the trail. For sure. He's also got an 89 Ford F-250 with the 460, mm. and his wife drives a 2016 Mazda 3. Okay. Also, both those are with standard shifts, he says, manual. Like it. He's 30 years old. He works as a facilities engineer, so his feet and his body are just beat after a long day. And the Jeep is just too rigid and tight and rattly after a tough shift. I'm sure. Which means an automatic transmission is finally appealing. Okay. I start to see it, yeah. He's searching for something bigger than the Jeep. Bigger than the Jeep? Bigger. Okay. All right. We'll we'll address that shortly. Yes, for sure. Ideally, mid-30s to 40 mile per gallon. He's considered Golf TDIs, Ford Fusion Hybrids, the Ram EcoDiesel, Chevy Colorados, GMC Canyons. And he says he doesn't really need a truck or a 4x4 for the commute, but it fits what he's used to right now. He's owned two Camaro Z28s when he was in high school, and he sold those. He said totally worth the rusted pipes and failing head gaskets. (laughs) When I hear, when we start to read this and go through it, I think the the bigger than the Jeep is because his 07 Jeep Wrangler, that's a two-door. So this is not a big, roomy four-door Jeep. And so while you've got good front seats, the back seats are okay at best, and the storage is almost non-existent in that lockable back. So anything, the hatchbacks he's had, this is why he's considering like the Golf TDI and the Ford Fusions. Those have more usable space probably Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. than his Jeep Wrangler, but it's a fascinating place to be. Well, he's owned a 1989 K5 and a 2003 Dodge Ram 1500, a bunch of other motorcycles, including a BMW F800 GSA from 2016. Mm. He loved the Ram, loved the BMW motorcycles. But notwithstanding, he says the automatic hybrid Ford Fusion is leading the pack due mm. to the automatic transmission and the overall highway comfort mixed with the larger size. But plug-in hybrids and electrics are out for right now because they're off the grid. Solar at their house is close to maxed out currently. Interesting. All right. So his budget is about 30-ish, $30,000-ish, somewhere in there. Cheaper is better, he says, but he could probably be convinced to buy a $40,000 diesel truck. <laughs> or, or wait, or, you know, he could just upgrade his solar and he get could. the 2022 Lightning. He says that's the other one he's considered, which I think is hysterical. We'll get, we'll get more solar and then a solar-powered car. It's essentially where he's going. That's hysterical. <laughs> Well, he says, what do we think? Any advice is appreciated, Vaughn. Thank you so much for writing. Glad you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for writing to us. I appreciate it. Do you need a larger size, though? I know that's what you're used to, but it's a little like saying to your future employer in the interview, I have a particular salary level that I'm used to as far as, you know, the lifestyle that I enjoy. (laughs) So this is my baseline. That's just what I'm used to, regardless of what they're paying. Mm. Maybe it's more, but maybe it's less, and maybe you still want that job. Mm. Does larger mean more comfortable? Does it? 
Yeah, see, this is a question. Does it? Well, but I also, but I, but I come back to the fact that I don't think a 2007 Wrangler really just ca- usable cabin space has got that much. I think your average hatchback has probably got more usable cabin space than an 07 Wrangler. Probably so, but it's less about cabin space and more about comfort at this point, yeah. especially after a long day at work, which we get. And I've got a bunch of choices for you here. I'm a little bit all over the map, but there is a through line here because of size. And that's why I ask okay. you about size. You need an overlanding mini. The mini land? Is this not that? a case for building an overland? I, I've seen them before. There was mm-hmm. one a while ago on Bring a Trailer. Speaking of which, how about a 2022 Mini Countryman? Okay. You can get optional all-wheel drive. That's it's good. comfortable, but still on the smaller side of things. And it's pretty much a BMW underneath. Mm-hmm. It's the same platform as the X1 and the X2, I think. And then it's the same engine as the Cl- Clubman and the Cooper, John Cooper Works Mini, and I think the M135i. So there's a lot to, a lot of platform and engine sharing yeah, right there. Yeah. You could investigate those other cars, but I think it culminates for what you need in both on and off-road. It's small enough, I think, to be able to navigate the city, mm-hmm. but it's still mm-hmm. off-roady enough to kind of get after it on the dirt road and do some twisties and small and light, light-ish. Yeah, yeah. That also made me think about the new plug-in hybrid version of that is the 2022 Mini Countryman plug-in. It starts at $41,500, but it is a plug-in. You said your solar is currently maxed out. Yes. But you could plug in it at work. That's a question. Could you charge at the office? That's a great question. So you just have the the, the prime parking. Can you you have one of the best spaces on the lot because it's plugged in? That's possible. That BMW 228i is a great automatic. And I'm, I'm talking mm. in the two-door, in that sure. uh, coupe. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a That is car. a great car. And I suggest that knowing that you're on the dirt road, but you could deal with it. Put some mud flaps, some well, dirt but, flaps. Yeah, he says it's a dirt road, but he doesn't say that it's a bad road. So I, yeah. I think there's a difference there for sure. But the car that I do think you should really consider, at $30,000, you can find a nice one. Mercedes-Benz, Mercedes-AMG GLA 45. Interesting. On my list, actually. Is it? Yeah, on my list. That's Those good. are my choices for That's him. good stuff. Uh, yeah, so the GLA obviously is out there, and I think that is a worthwhile one. Um, I've got kind of the more small hatchback choices, and then I've got a couple of actual more full-size sedans. Okay. They're not called full-size sedans, but they are in size. Let's just start there real quick, because your Ford Fusion Hybrid takes me to sedans. Sure. I don't have a problem with the Ford Fusion Hybrid. I also can't get excited about it. Right. It's right. fine. It's it's fine. But the thing that I think is interesting about your commute is we've got the beginning and end of the commute, the first and last mile, if you will, okay, which is an interesting term that everybody gets freaked out about. Oh, can we walk it? The first <laughs> mile is dirt, so not ideal for a fun driving car. The last few miles is the worst of traffic, mm-hmm. but there's that whole middle section. True. Fun, True. twisty road where you'd like to be comfortable, but it's a fun, twisty road. With consequences. Yes. It makes it more exciting. And then you're on a four-lane highway that sounds like it just moves. Right. So right. wouldn't it be cool if what you had for the majority of your commute was something you not only liked being in, but was also fun to drive? Exactly. Wouldn't that be I mean, this little Everyday Driver podcast tries to do that kind of stuff? Novelty. So I have two for you. Two sedans that I think you're going to revel in the space but they're still small enough and agile enough, you'll be surprised on that back road on that four-lane highway. And that is, get yourself a used Genesis G70 okay. or a used Alfa Romeo Giulia. Both good. You could get either one in all-wheel drive if you feel the urge. But I think based on your story, you can get away without the all-wheel drive on both of those. Get a used one and enjoy it. I think what, what I'm excited about is that twisty road part. Yeah, definitely. Because just about anything else we get you into is going to feel more agile than your Wrangler has. 
Okay, but you're going to have <laughs> most things. You're, you're going to have you're going to have careful stepping right, when you come up your dirt road. I get that. Yeah, but I think the Genesis G70 and the Alpha Julia, both of those, you're just going to be comfortable. True. Kind of really long day. Those are nice places to be. <laughs> you can just pour yourself into that yes. car and drive home. And then, but yeah. it, you know, you get up one morning and you and you limp your way down the dirt road, but then you hit the twisties, and you're just you're kind of on fire that day. You're just happy. That car is ready to rock. True. Either one of those. That also led me to smaller, more hatchback-sized things. I like the Mazda 3 Turbo for you, but I think, A, it's out of your budget, and, B, your wife already has a Mazda 3. That would mean, too. It'd be, you know. But I do like that for you, but there's yeah. two others. One is that, a, uh, that GLA AMG 45. Come on. That is the gentleman's hatch. That's my favorite. That's right really good. But then I have to say, we don't talk about it all the time, but I feel like it's perfect for you. Have you considered a WRX? Okay. Now, okay. it's... Here's the thing. On the dirt road, it's fine. It's, it's all good. On the twisty road, it's perfectly happy. On the commute, it's fine. In the stop-and-go traffic, it's also fine. Now, you get the automatic version, you're in <clears throat> CVT land, which there we don't is like. That. There is Subaru that. does it best yeah, yeah. in CVT, so Subaru does it best. My concern is, and you're going to have to drive it, honestly, Vaughn, to see, this is going to be much nicer than your 07 Wrangler, but it's not nearly as <laughs> yeah. nice as the other stuff I'm mentioning as far as just noise and the vibration and and the way the suspension feels it's not going to be as much of a respite as the other stuff we've discussed right right but as a guy who has a dirt road followed by a twisty mountain road wrx would be very happy doing that it does seem to be the right recipe so it's I, just those interior amenities that i think yeah sound yeah, deadening and especially just, and i'm wondering because here's the thing if you got yourself a brand new wrx right now it's going to be less than 30 grand and it's going to be a spaceship compared to your 07 Wrangler as far yeah, as the commute's yeah. concerned. But it's still not, not as nice as that G70 or the Alpha Julia. Yeah. So where are you on that spectrum of sacrifice? What's comfortable enough? I don't know. So when I read your description, I instantly go WRX, but then I wonder, is it nice enough on the back end? Vaughn keeps posted with what you buy. And if you've got a story like Vaughn's, please write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com for all your car debates, your car conclusions, and topic Tuesdays as well. We look forward to hearing from you guys. Let's talk about Haggerty My Garage. It's a virtual home for automotive enthusiasts where you can show off your cars and tell their stories. Inside the community, you can check out thousands of cool cars and like, comment, follow, and share your favorites. Plus, you can park everything you need in one place. Use My Garage to manage your important details and photos and records and more. There's never been a better way to virtually enjoy your ride. So customize your own garage, explore others' garages. You can even see our garage and join in on the conversation at haggerty.com slash mygarage. Jared uh, writes to us from Seattle, and I'm, I'm confused. Okay. I'm confused because his title is, Help Me Stop Dailying My Mustang GT500, <laughs> which he describes as a guy that lives in Seattle. And I knew it before I read it, but he describes as a guy that lives in Seattle, it pretty much just means he's killing this car. He's just stop and go, Priuses, people not paying attention, sure. potholes, construction. He's in a GT500, and he's quickly come to the conclusion, what am I doing here? Well, Jared is a pilot in the Air Force. His daily is that 2010 GT500, bought a year ago, expecting it to be an awesome weekend car, he says, while he planned to use his 2014 Focus ST as the fun daily. Well, guess what, he says. The Focus just doesn't seem as fun anymore. <laughs> and the compromises Sorry. he was willing to put up with while it was his only car are starting to wear on him. Mm -hmm. He was fresh out of college when he got the Focus and bought the cheapest base spec model he could find mm. just to get his foot in the door. The plastic, fantastic interior, he says, middling fuel economy and complete lack of amenities were fine for a while, 
But now that he's making more money and he'd like to have a better experience during that commute, he's on Interstate 5. Oh. Six lanes of Priuses, semi-trucks, and trucks and texting teens going at most 62 miles an hour with zero passing etiquette. Yeah. Throw in some construction and you're living his daily nightmare. But through all of this, he still opts to grab the keys to the GT500 and take it. 540 horsepower of Prius passing power <laughs> made it to a put on the side. At the low, low price of 18 miles per gallon, he says. How could he not? But there's no free lunches, he writes. And over the last year and 10,000 miles, something has fundamentally changed mm. in his relationship with the Mustang. This incredible machine, which he has wanted for over a decade, is slowly becoming just a car. Yeah. An appliance to take him from home to work and back. And the weaknesses are starting to show through. The compromises inherent in driving a Shelby Mustang are beginning to look less like features and more like flaws. Uh-huh. I, I see it for sure. So after listening to the podcast for a few years, thank you, he's come around to the idea of different cars for different uses. He thinks the issue that he's having with the Mustang is that using it every day, it's not a special treat. It's not that mm -hmm. experience anymore. So now he's looking particularly for a car that excels at commuting. Something quiet, efficient, keeps its composure over potholes and expansion joints, and allows him to relax and go with the flow. Mm -hmm. Something that he can just enjoy driving again, and then he'll take some time to find the back roads with the Mustang and then prep it for a track day, that kind of thing, to keep that separated, to, keep, to the, keep the special. specialness. But here's the catch. He wants the payment and running costs, whether gas or electric charging, to be around his average cost of gas in the GT500, currently about $300 per month. Mm-hmm. Combined with the trade-in value of the Focus, he says that's a reasonable budget of about $25,000. So he's considering the BMW i3 with a range extender. He says Excellent. carbon fiber monocoque, rear-wheel drive, double wishbone suspension. What's not to like? Oh, yes, the exterior. <laughs> yes, but it's your commuter. It's your commuter, so who cares? And bamboo. And then somebody dings the door and you go, oh, it's almost an improvement. I mean, it does, that's the thing. It, does, it frees you up. Anyway, go on. He's also considering the Ford Maverick. Mm -hmm. He's a Ford guy. He didn't mean to be, but he says, here we are. <laughs> he respects what Ford has been doing. And a cheap truck with 40 miles per gallon would add some versatility to his garage. Okay. Cheap truck, cheap trick. He, well, we'll see. Yeah. Then he has his own wild card. Yeah, the wild card is my favorite. He said, well, while I'm here, what about a, a Chevy uh, Corvette C8? He says, look, honey, it's got cylinder de deactivation. It gets 27 miles to the highway. Yes, so do other Corvettes, by the way. But he's just saying, I'm trying to justify this. I'm trying to get, look at how good the gas mileage is. He is in love with the new C8 Corvette, but he's worried that there may be too many in a few years, and it'll be like, oh, another one of those. Possibly. It happened to Mustangs, it's happened mm -hmm. to Tesla Model 3s, and it will happen to Corvettes, but who cares? And by the way, what are you doing looking at Corvettes? You're a Ford guy. Yeah, he says, you You're know, not allowed. He said, I wouldn't think of myself as a Corvette, but he said, I've spent enough time with the configurator to know that apparently <laughs> I am also this guy. It's the C word, Chevy. You can't look over there, but I do like that you are. Jared, I want you to have something that will help you avoid all the crazy drivers you've described mm. and still be nimble enough to slash through them and get around them because I firmly believe that having the car to be able to do that will be more satisfying than not. A 500 Abart is your nimblest, cheapest option. That's a good one, actually. I like that. But you already have this Focus ST. Yes. Which you don't like anymore because of plasticiness and just upright driving, which is just the 500 Bart with more snort. <laughs> to some degree. Right? To some degree, yeah. 
But my next car for you could be an option. That is a slightly used Chevy Bolt. Mm-hmm. We like that car. We like chucking it around. We like commuting in it. We like city driving in it. And it is a respite. Mm-hmm. It's, I think, because of being an electric car, you will like the quiet, clean, just, you know, mm-hmm. less distractions, you know, that kind of thing. So it's not just crazy V8 at all times, even though that's very special. But I'm wondering if having that car is the dichotomy to your Mustang will make that Mustang special again. I, I, that's a great one. I love that. Slightly used, we're definitely within your budget. Without question. Possibly new, including Absolutely. the federal tax credit. Totally. We, we were dealing the other day with, uh, with a podcast where a guy got one for unbelievably cheap. Got it for less than half after everything came in rebates-wise. So I, I think new is an option and used is a definite. It's on my list for sure. I've got a super-duper wild card for you. Just okay. hear me out. But then right. I'm going to tell you the car that I think you should buy, and I've blown your budget to bits. Oh, but you said excellent. you're making more money, so who cares? It's another good day at the office at the Everyday Driver. I like it. <laughs> Describing your commute, mm-hmm. my inspiration came from furniture. Okay. Specifically, a chair called the Do Hit Chair, designed <laughs> by Dutch designer Marian van der Poel. He's from the Netherlands. Okay. On Droog.com, it's called the Do Hit Chair, Droog Design. It is a polished aluminum box sold with a sledgehammer. <laughs> I'm looking at it now, and I cannot believe what I'm seeing. What do you think? I you become the co-designer because it's just a box. You have to take the sledgehammer and smash it into the shape of the chair that you want. What I find amazing <laughs> about this is this is this car, this is a furniture design racket. I didn't actually have to design anything. I just put the idea in your head. Isn't it and brilliant? You paid me money. Isn't it to good? send you a box and a sledgehammer and to call it? I'm a designer. No, yep. you are a master marketer is what you are. I agree. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe this exists. <laughs> There's a company here in Utah called Arrested Development. <clears throat> oh, play on words there. The team builds 80s Land Cruisers with 90s chassis and stuffs a Chevy V8 in them. So it's like a cheap derelict, like what Jonathan Ward does, mm-hmm. only far less expensive. You know, Icon 4x4 derelict. <laughs> Congratulations. You paid for and made your own uncomfortable chair. I'm sorry. I'm completely lost on this. This is my inspiration. Okay, go on. If somebody dents or sideswipes your derelict, they are worse off for it. And it only adds to the character of your car. You're you're only better off. I do see that. You're crowdsourcing the shape of your car as you pinball (laughs) your way down Interstate 5, careening off inattentive drivers and giant trucks. Don't care. Thanks. I say that as just inspiration. I will leave that there and come back to the car that I do think, because you are a Ford guy, because you're a Mustang guy, I'm going to thoroughly trash your budget Mm. and tell you to get a Mustang Mach-E. I wondered if you'd go there. That is the car. Mm -hmm. It'll more than double your budget on a monthly basis, but you won't be buying gas, and it's still called a Mustang, and you might qualify for that $7,500 federal tax credit. It's a lot of money, I agree. But I think you'd actually really love it. You know, when I read the Ford Maverick, I thought, hmm. Maybe how much, on the Maverick. How, but, no, but, hang, but how much out of the budget would we go for a Mustang Mach-E? I did think that when I read a the lot, Maverick. A lot, because I, I looked I them up at Seattle dealerships, and oh, they're asking way too much money for them. Yes, they are. So but, a lot. But I, you're, you're, not, you're off in the weeds for budget, but as far as line of thinking, I think you're in I a mean, that is place. That's the, the car you want. Car. You're a Mustang guy. You're a Ford guy. Yes. You want something just comfortable and easy on you, and mm-hmm. it's just going to make you also relax, but it's still fun. Yeah. I I see that. I really do. Lucky. I really I 
mm, that's hard to it's hard to justify. You're but still it's looking also, at that chair, aren't you? I'm horrified by the chair. I'm, I'm just, I'm really the distracted do hit by the chair. chair. That is a Dutch racket. Designer. It's not a design. It's a racket. Anyway, sorry, Jared. I got to try to, <laughs> I got to try to bring myself back here. First off, I love that you have interest in the C8. Okay. I applaud you for your interest in the C8. I think, let's just say that one of those is in your future, but I don't okay. think it's now. I think what you need to do right now is stop driving. You're going to have to have that Ford tattoo changed into like yeah. an eagle or something. <laughs> <laughs> Still in the chair, honey. <laughs> it says food. Can I get a <laughs> It's going to be awesome. I've got food and an oval on my bicep. A blue oval of food. Okay, moving on. <laughs> the chair. Okay, uh, now here's one of those days. It is one of those days. Uh, the thing about the C8 is, I think that's interesting that you're, you're intrigued and get, get your food tattoo solved. Your GT500, I, I think you need to, to park it for a bit. And let it rest. Okay. I don't think you get rid of it now, but here's my thinking on that GT500. Put it to the side. Let's get you a commuter. See how much you use that GT500 going forward. Are you wanting to go on fun drives on the weekend? Oh, or you mean as a, as a fun car only? Yes. Not as a commuter anymore. No, no, no. Okay. Put, put it okay. to the side. Make right. it that fun car. But do you use it that way now? Do, do you find, let's take six months and just do a wide swath comparison. Do you actually find time to drive it for fun? Or does it just sit now? And here's the other thing to, to ponder for yourself. When you go drive it for fun, is it still fun? Or have your interest in that car? Because, it, look, it's not the brand new GT500. It's the older one, all right? It's the 2010. That car is more than 10 years old. Have you, by using it as a daily, discovered the things about it that you're never going to get over, but you're thrilled you've had it in your life? Mm-hmm. I think the GT500 is a step from going, but I don't think it goes yet. Okay. So put it to the side. Let's find you a commuter. When you get rid of the GT500, it's probably at the bottom of its depreciation curve. So I think down the line, you could get yourself a used C8. Oh, not for the same okay. money. It's not going to even swap, but I think you're intrigued by that car. That car's under your skin. The C8 is. GT500, you want to make special again. I think that's possible. Keep it for a little bit. See if there's a C8 used in your future. So there's the GT500's path so going the forward. the food Mustang is going the away. The food Mustang. Okay. The i3 BMW was my first thought for you when I was reading this. I love that you're already thinking about it with the range extender. Yes, it has a, uh, a questionable styling. I really like it, for example. My son thinks it's kind of cool. My wife thinks it's the ugliest thing she's ever seen. And anytime I brought up, I could get a used i3, she's like, not in our garage, because she hates it. I mean, I I may spring one on her anyway, but she hates it. Every time I point it out, she's like, you're kidding me. You like that? But but let's give some credit to Kate. She hated the Fiesta uh, ST every single time she saw one. She was like, How, why do you she like did? that car? She hated it. She's like, what is that. up with that? So, you know, well, sometimes. She really hates the flex. Yeah, that's a whole separate. It, the There's fridge like a tipped on its side. That don't even bring up the Ford flex. Yeah, you, you, the rant is coming. Duck. If yes. you say Ford flex around you, her, she will throw things. terrifying. So, But that's the thing. So she hates the i3. Yeah. And I know that yeah. other people don't like it, but it is actually pretty cool. And it does work here. You already mentioned the Chevy Bolt. The Chevy Bolt is awesome. Chevy yeah. Bolt would be great for this. And yeah. I actually wonder if the Chevy Bolt would, or the i3, either one of those create a situation, like Paul's saying, where you have the do-it chair. You have a car exactly. where when life of commuting beats on it, you're fine with it. Yeah. It's just, you're fine with it's it. the automotive it's equivalent just, of do the do-hit chair. Uh, I have, it doesn't come with a sledgehammer, unfortunately. I have uh, a wild card in a minute, but first I want to go here. This seems like a duplicate, but I, I wonder about this as well. Keeping you in something fun on the commute, but you can free yourself from what happens with it. And that is, get yourself a Veloster N. Maybe like a one-year-old one. Mm. This is the car your focus wishes it was. 
Your focus is 10 years I old. I agree to that. Your focus is 10 years old, first off, and it's a base focus. Get yourself a Veloster and get you one with the DCT for traffic. Ooh. This is what your, your Focus ST wants to be. This is the updated version of the best the Focus ST could be. You've got adaptable Ooh. suspension. If you have a moment in your commute when you can actually fly, that car will fly and give you fun. But if you're just going to drive along, it'll do that too. The Veloster N, I think, is a possible here. It's almost wild card territory. The other one I thought of, because you mentioned the Maverick, I really like your Mach-E, Paul. But because you mentioned the Maverick, I have to go here. Don't spend your whole budget. Get yourself a used Honda Ridgeline. Just get a used one. Oh. Because they ride really great. Because they ride great. Yeah. It and and it can be your commute Ooh. device. You got that maybe I can use a pickup that you're wondering about in the Maverick, but you got it for cheap. That's good. Their I gas really like mileage that. is decent. It's not great. It's not forty miles per gallon, but no. it's decent. It rides like a car. You have the truck usability that frankly most people need. Yeah. And because yeah. of what it is, if something happens on your commute tomorrow, you're going to be like, bummer, but okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's a Honda Ridgeline. That's my wild card, but I think it could work as well. Wow, I really like that. Jared, please let us know. Write to us with uh, your car conclusion, and uh, hopefully that goes well. <laughs> <laughs> I almost didn't recover in the middle of the discussion. <laughs> it was too good. <laughs> Your tattoo says food. Food oval. I said it and it was like, I don't know that I'm getting that back. I don't know that I'm coming back. Oh, God. A food food Mustang. That's going to come up again now. Nobody else is going to get it unless they've been following along. Food Mustang. (laughs) All right. Yeah. All right. I haven't seen you laugh that hard in a long time. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> we have many questions, but I'm still recovering from the do it, bang it chair that you designed yourself with a sledgehammer and the food Mustang. I don't know how to feel oh other than I'm, I'm crying with laughter over here. This chair is this chair is simultaneously funny and annoying. I and can't I think it it's exists. like five grand too. You know I think it is it's super duper expensive. You too. know somebody has built their they're, they're sending kids to the most expensive college on the planet by doing this. Yeah, I I think it's brilliant personally. All right, let's see here. Bradley J. Nineteen eighty three asked why Honda is going all in on CVTs with a new Civic. Seems the Civic Type R and SI will have manuals. Yeah, that's what they're known for. But what's up with the Civic Sport only having a CVT cost? Todd's mm. still wiping tears from his eyes. <laughs> the food hilarious. Mustang. Come I have on. not seen you laugh that hard in it's absurd. years. Hyundai is going dual clutch on many models, and that seems to highlight their dedication to sportiness without the third pedal. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right, and I don't think Honda has gotten it. I'm seeing a resurgence in Nissan right now. Yes. I think it's Nissan's time to shine. If they keep this up, they, they'll be back. They finally realize that, you know what, CVTs aren't good for everything in the lineup. Yep. And yeah. here's Honda. Nobody's told them yet. <laughs> Hello. 
How have you not gotten that memo by now? Nobody stopped by the, and rang their doorbell. Granted, Subaru Hi. puts it in everything, but Subaru is the yeah. best. But oh, that's become the brand identity of Subaru is all-wheel drive with a CVT. Agreed. Yeah. But that's not Honda's brand identity, and yeah. it never has been. I think they're trying to find themselves with their product lineup and the poor CRV. I think we should almost get those yeah, together just to see. Yeah, but don't forget the CT4 Cadillac. Just to see. Well, no, but, but, but at least the, the, the CRV and the Taos compete against each other. Oh. We should almost put them together just to see which one you stop ranting which about one first. Sucks more. Which one you stop ranting about first is technically the winner. I don't think Honda is really in that mode like Hyundai is, and that's why Hyundai is on this resurgence. It doesn't seem like Honda is dedicated, and customers like you are noticing. Mm-hmm. It is car wash season. Always wash your car in a cool, shady spot, and always use the brilliant finish foaming sprayer or the boss foam cannon from Grio's Garage. You can create a high foam blizzard party right in your driveway with little to no work and avoid the wash-induced scratches. It's the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. And don't forget, Griot's also has full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash and Coat, and a 3-in-1 Wax. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order just for our audience. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Revs Up has a question that's it's almost a topic Tuesday, but I think I can cover it quickly here. He's on Instagram and he says, suggestions please, guys. He said, look, I'm boisterous online, which... Sometimes I read as uh, those are not the people that I like, but I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Boisterous mm-hmm. online because you're anonymous. <clears throat> sure. When he gets in, perf- in person, he can be painfully shy. He just moved to Iowa. And he says Iowans are nice, but he's having a lot of trouble making friends. And he has the car disease, but he has no- nobody that he knows that likes cars. Sure. He wants to go to Cars and Coffee. His wife has said, you have fun. You go. I'm not going. Mm-hmm. So now he's at Cars and Coffee. He's shy. He doesn't feel like he has an easy way to connect with people. How does he do this? How does he step outside of himself? He said he's got a BMW M240i convertible. He's gotten compliments on it when he's gone to Cars and Coffee, but he's just kind of wanting to find his car people. Yeah. First yeah. off, revs up. We're glad to be your car people. But at the same time, your local people to find. Here's the, the big thing I'm going to say. Walk away from your car. Park your car. Walk away from it. Walk around everybody else's cars. Find cars that intrigue you. Because this is what happens at Cars and Coffee generally. And I actually like that our local one doesn't do this as much. But a lot of times what happens is just a bunch of people standing by their car or their buddy's car. True. Waiting to explain to other people all about it. Walk around other people's cars. And if you find one that's intriguing or you have a connection to or whatever reason you want to stop and you see an owner there, ask them questions. Ask them about the car they currently yeah, have. Yeah. If they just got it, what were, what'd you have prior? I, I, that's a question that always baffles people at Cars and Coffee, and I love where it goes. When somebody comes up to me and we're talking about the car they got, and they're really excited about it, and I have this right now, and I'm like, that's really cool. What'd you have before? Yeah. Because sometimes it's really cool, or sometimes it's, well, this is the first cool car I've had. That's a story right there as well. So ask them about their current car. Ask them about prior cars. And ask them, because you're new, what car things do they do? I mean, obviously, they do cars and coffee. Sure. But do they go on some cool drive you haven't heard of? Most of the cool drives I've found in this area is because somebody went, you know, I like that one you were on, but you know what's better? Yeah, And then sure. I go, I am making a note in my phone. Right. I am looking right. that up later. So ask them what other car things they do. Then, this is a hard one for me personally. Remember their name? 
Oh. And when you see them next month, talk to them by name. That's great. I have to yeah. write that down, too. I have to walk away from the person and be like, this was their name. Because what happens with me is I know their car and I know their face and their name vanished. Sure. And I'm like, oh, wait. Oh, that's a, I know. Mike, I know you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is, come on. That's how a friendship starts. And they may be your friend and they may not be your friend. But my point is, you will connect to people so easily by just asking them those basic questions. And then the questions will come back. You know, I had heard a story about the form, one of the former CEOs of Autodesk who was known and made it a habit for remembering everybody's name she ever met. Mm. Carol Bartz. Mm. And she had this unique knack. D- didn't matter your status in life. Mm. She knew your name. And That's everybody was just floored. And they're going, all right, you're CEO for that reason alone. <laughs> you're going to keep track wow. of everybody. <laughs> yeah, she she was. And it was really impressive. It made a, a big impression on me. And you're absolutely right. You're applying the art of conversation about general things. We mm-hmm. all love talking about ourselves. Uh-huh. And as soon as somebody asks, boom, we're off to the races. Hey, where are you traveling next month or this year? Got any plans? Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah. Let yeah. me share my travel plans with you. And suddenly you're off into the weeds about whatever. Just apply that to cars. I love it. Top secret asks our thoughts on a car buying site like Carvana. Untraditional method of buying a car means there's no negotiating and no mm-hmm. traditional third-party pre-purchase inspection like you would want to do. You just bought a manual Honda CRZ EXL from there that wasn't a terrible deal, but definitely wasn't the price that he wanted. One of the good things is he gets seven days or 400 miles to test it out before he decides to buy, which <laughs> means trip. he'll be I mean, sorry. <laughs> taking it to an autocross even oh, the day after his delivery to fully test it out like they want him to. Well, you've just answered your own question, and that's right there. And by the way, Auto Tempest does search everything, including Carvana. Mm-hmm. But you've answered your own question by virtue of the benefits, and it's a known quantity. Whereas auction sites are this big, mysterious, I might get screwed, I might win, and have to pay even more than I thought. <laughs> Look at me! Yay! But this is a known quantity, and they're selling at a level of, this is going to run. You can choose your mm-hmm. different extended warranties. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be the car. Here it is. It's in this condition. It is what we say it is. There's less mystery about it than privately owned. And do you have that stack of service records or did you build a campfire out of them? <laughs> you know, what is it about this car? And, and so, you know, you're coming in, you're getting something that is known. So it's an ability to buy a used car with the new car feeling. Mm, that's that's what it's doing for you. Yeah. And you get seven days or 400 miles. Used car owners ain't going to do that for you. Well, and your pre-final sale won't show you that. Right. I mean, you, you, here's the thing you could do. I'll give you this as well. If you're very concerned about it, when you get it in those first seven days, get a post-purchase inspection. Sure. If there's something terrible, you have, you're still within the window of sending it back. That's very it, true. The send it back element here is so key that defends you so much. I can't believe that they give that long, but it's very cool. That's what you're buying. That's the benefit right there. Rusty Buckskin says, how does the new GR86 compare to the car I had, my FRS, with a header and exhaust and a tune. And he said, would either of us buy them? Are we considering bolt-ons, blah, blah, blah. Um, Obviously, I had not driven my car right before we got in the new one. And also, when I had my car, I always had it up here at altitude, where it's 6,000 feet plus. So all of these things take away the direct comparison. Mm -hmm. I still think the new one has more power. Okay. Okay. I think the power delivery is better because the... uh, the peak of the torque is down at 3,700 RPM mm-hmm. and it's higher. Yep. So I think it is a more usable powertrain than what I did after the fact. And then, of course, you know there's going to be stuff to bump this one up even further. 
Indeed. Don Miley 13 asks if we see Mitsubishi remaking a sports car like mm. the Eclipse or the 3000 GT with the announcement of the new Nissan Z and the newer Toyota and BMW Supra. Well, it entirely depends on management. It's less about making a sports car than management deciding what they want the Mitsubishi brand to be. Yeah, what do they want yeah. that brand to be for the future? And they are still part of that triumvirate, the Renault, Nissan, Mitsubishi thing. And so that tri sort of band <laughs> Renault shape with Mitsubishi red colors, that is part of it. And they could, but I don't see Mitsubishi leadership wanting to do that because mm. Nissan has the Z. That's going to be the flagship thing. And yeah. if anybody gets that car, it's going to be Renault or Infiniti before Mitsubishi. Oh, that's interesting. Right? Platform sharing off the new Z. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, yeah. maybe, but I don't see. And can you imagine Mitsubishi coming out with a new sports car and everybody goes, it's the cheaper Z. Why would you guys? Well, but they've look, once they walked away from the Evo, they have nothing in their lineup that even suggests they're sporty. But but on the flip side, this is as different as Toyota suddenly deciding we like sports cars again, as they did four or five, ten years ago. And the, and the FRS comes out, and then they work. True. Super, we cool. welcome it. It would be cool. Yes. But, but Toyota is a much bigger animal than little Mitsubishi, who's hanging on to the crumbs of the people that it's partnered with, which is tough. Yeah, true. There's a very, very hard question for me from Matt Garrett, 82. It's a track daily crush, but it's now watches whiskey and Porsches. <laughs> that sucks. Uh, can't live without Porsches. So I'm going to daily the Porsche. Nope, I'm going <laughs> to daily the watch. I'm going to race the Porsche. And whiskey, as much as I love it, I'll take watches and Porsches before that. Yikes, did I just do that? Sean asked on Facebook, he said, his wife is interested in convertibles. How should we be thinking about safety when comparing soft top to hard top convertibles? I'm not sure how you're breaking this down. When you safety say safety is always third. Safety is always third. Yeah, that's key. Do a lemons race. Safety third. Right. I really want that bumper sticker, but I don't put bumper stickers on cars. Anyway, <laughs> are you talking about safety in that safety of your belongings and the stuff in the car? Because if so, then it's always the hard tops. If you're talking about safety for what if we roll over, first off, not that likely. Secondly, you got to be moving. Yeah, you got to hit a curb sideways. Wheels have left the ground. Yes, absolutely. On so I don't think that's happening. So I don't think that either one of them is safer, quote unquote, in normal driving. Right now, your hardtop convertible theoretically is safer if you were to have a rollover weird crash. But keep in mind that all convertibles require some level of rollover protection. If you get into tracking, then you have to do stuff. Sometimes people can get away with, let's go to tracking for a second. A hardtop convertible on track with a top-up sometimes gets away with, okay, we don't have to worry about it, versus you brought a, a soft-top convertible, we got to do some stuff. How are you using this, which is how I'm not sure about your question. If you're just, we want the most versatility as possible, hardtop convertible. Open Mike Knight asks if we think the V6 300 horsepower Camry would be faster on a track than the new 86 with the same racing driver. Mm. Camry has the horsepower bump, however, clearly not a sports car chassis. I do. And that just has power alone because down a straightaway, sure, you can have that exit speed and down a straightaway. It might be close, but what's less important here is what we're talking about. And that is all the trucks and SUVs with monster horsepower. Let's let the sports cars be less. Just because they're yeah. sports cars yeah. doesn't mean they have to be the most. I agree with that. That's great. Let's let the Raptors and the Bronco Sports, and by the way, can somebody please design that logo for the Raptor Bronco, like a California Condor with its talons embedded in the back of a stallion, like rearing back, like horse, <laughs> bird riding horse. Come on. Somebody's got to design that. Maybe I will. But 
Nevertheless, all these huge overpowered SUVs, fine. Mm-hmm. We're talking about this constantly. That was actually one of our episodes. Yeah, episode two, yeah. When we compared the Hellcat Durango to the GL, GLS 63. Yep. We found interesting things, but nevertheless, we're just astounded by that kind of power. Mm-hmm. But over here in sports car land, we're cackling at 86 kind of levels of horsepower. Totally. And that V6 camera, keep in mind also, it's the better part. It's not 1,000 pounds heavier, but it's got to be five or 600 pounds heavier. I mean, I suppose and, it might be, but it might be close. But, but, here's, but, here's the other part of the, but here's the other part of the equation. What track? You Very have a true. super twisty track. The Camry's going to struggle. You have a track with a long straight where it can stretch its legs as much as possible. It may walk away from the 86. There's a lot of unknown variables true. here. I love where you landed, and that is let's let sports cars be sports cars. And if, if you get beat at the light, okay. Yeah. I mean, I like the more power. I want the 340 sure. horsepower Cayman. I want more power in the Cayman. I do like that. You're paying for it. But I, I'm glad the 86 has that power bump because it did need it. It did. It did. But here, it's less relevant, I feel like. Okay, yeah, you're on a track and that Camry leaves you. Okay. Is somebody having more fun in that Camry? No. Well, but it's, it's the Miata uh, Corvette reality at every single track day on the planet. Yeah. The Miata guy is probably the better driver having more fun because he's chewing on the Corvettes any time they leave the straight. And every time they enter the straight, the Corvette goes, bye-bye. Yeah, right. Right. Peter, are you there? Asks, what are some fun hybrids to drive, not including supercars? Mm. Well, most of Toyota's hybrid cars are fun. And we've admitted before, we look forward to Toyota's hybrids. Mm -hmm. They're just generally better. But the most fun hybrid is that Volvo S60T8 inscription. Yes. Brilliant. I'll say all of Volvo's hybrids. Fun to drive. When they have the full upper level yeah. T8 inscription in any of their chassis, that's a surprising good one. That's really excellent. That's Those are the ones. Uh, Jack Bauer, LOL, on Twitter says uh, he knows that uh, we, and then he says, Todd, loves color on exterior of cars. What about the interior? What are our thoughts on having a color on trim pieces? Then he says, what about standard piano black? What about terrible plastics? Or what about the full-on color interior like we just saw in the new Z car? Jack, lots of sub-questions here, but let me let me break this down real quick. Uh, bright colors are for the exterior of cars, okay? <laughs> now, I've said before, you know, Lexus is a really nice red seat, and you can do that with some of their more bland colors, and that does kind of work. But yeah. in general, you know what? There's black, and there's variation of tan. We should all be okay. Okay, one of those two will work for you. Exposed metal is nice. Aston Martin Vantage does that sure. well. Lotus Elise does that well. Exposed sure. metal can be very nice. Let's get rid of piano black. I don't mind an accent inside the color of a car if it's the same color accent as the exterior of the car. What, how do you feel about painted vents? They're, they, I, they, you match. have to have them. You have to have them. Those are that's like just like that should be a standard. I, mean, I think so too. I thank God you have them on your Cayman because they should be on everything. It's kind but of what but I, I think I think accents that are the same color as the car is are okay. Actually, what I what I don't like is like you have a yellow car and it has red accents on the interior. It's like what happened here with the mm-hmm. thing and the stuff. So the uh, thing and the stuff in the place. <laughs> exactly. We right. all go way back with the thing and the stuff in the place. But, and the man. But like, there's also a few press cars we've had in the last year that have had two-tone colors on the interior, and one of them is black, and the other one is like a caramel color. I love that. Camel hair, oatmeal, biscuits. Yeah, they always call it something ridiculous. Saharan desert. <laughs> you know, but, but that looks amazing. I like actually yeah. black and tan interiors are the business as far as I'm concerned, and then you have a really cool color on the outside. Love it. Well, speaking of interiors, Terry Williams, 2913, asks why we do not show interior photos when we post. Well, sometimes we do. But other times, I kind of want it to be a tease. I want you to go watch the video. But mostly, you'll see when a particular car drops, we'll say the Nissan Z. 
every outlet is posting the same photos they didn't take. Yeah. Our mantra is we want to have taken those photos and spent time with the car and we're doing the composition and the lighting and taking the actual photo, not just reposting others work. That's what we wanted to do since day one. Sometimes we have, you know, been in a crunch or whatever and, and yeah. we posted it or just for discussion purposes, we posted it up. But generally speaking, we want those photos to be original photos taken by one of us at everyday driver. But yeah, interiors sometimes here and there, I, I think it's kind of a mix at this point. Maybe, you know, they're, they're maybe buried we, deeper in the posting. We do the IG posting. We do a snap of the interior. Maybe mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't, yeah, I didn't know. And we certainly can if, yeah. if uh, you definitely want them guys. Thank you so much for all your questions. We really, really appreciate them. Write to us everyday driver TV at gmail.com. And we love it. When you think of us, you see something interesting in the car world and we you drop us great emails. It's awesome. It's great. We're definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>